Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. How many people consider themselves rich in this room? Okay, y'all need to be Americans. Raise your hands because y'all are rich, okay? Y'all are rich. But how many people know that you can be rich and be a fool? Okay, you're like, crud, maybe I shouldn't have opened or raised my hand. That's okay. We're here for God to give us yet another heart check. Who's ready for a heart check? Man, the Parable Project, we are in this series talking about these words straight from Jesus. I was saying this a couple weeks ago that oftentimes we are so concerned about the relatability to a pastor when Jesus is saying, no, I want there to be accountability to me. I've given you words. You don't even need their illustrations. I've given you words. Now, will you take heed? That's what the parables give us, an opportunity to hear the heart of Jesus and not just ask, what would Jesus do for the sake of behavior management, but for heart stewardship? This morning, we are stewarding our hearts. We're stewarding the heart that God has given us. It's been said that these parables are a means for Jesus to provoke imagination, to see what God is doing in the world from another perspective. He knows that this is the end of his time. You have to realize all the parables that you're reading, he knows that it is the end of his time on earth. It's drawing near. So every single story he shares, everything he shares is fully about the mission that he is wanting us to grab hold of. How many people feel missional today? Okay, if you don't, this parable should get kick you in a gear because these parables are all about the kingdom of God. The parable of the rich fool is about the kingdom of God. All these parables are about what Jesus wants every single person in this room to be a part of. You know, sometimes we talk about the kingdom of God and it seems like this lofty, far away thing and it's this, this, this ideal, it's just this hopeful thing. But can you understand that the kingdom of God is made up of kingdom dwellers and the people who make up the kingdom of God are the sons and daughters of the most high God who are co-heirs with Christ. So we have an inheritance. Amen. You believe that? So this morning we are on kingdom business, kingdom business, because Jesus wants to get his kingdom understanding across to us through these parables. It's the end of his life. So he's saying everything I'm saying to them, they must remember that there are treasures in the words that I am leaving them because they have a mission to be on if they are a part of my kingdom. One out of three parables are about money. Are you excited to talk about money? You're like, man, I've been thinking about Christmas. I've been thinking about the holidays. It's getting expensive. And you know what better thing to talk about here in November than money? Okay, you guys are as excited as me. One out of three parables have to do with money, and this is one of them. Your money matters. You know, many people accuse the church of talking about money too much, and I would go as far to say and submit to you that money really does matter. 
Otherwise, this man whose life is about to end, he would not leave us words that one out of three of the parables are about money if it wasn't important. So I just want to say right now, don't let your trauma, don't let your trauma with money and church keep you from hearing the word today. Don't let it keep you from hearing the word today. But here we go. The rich fool. You ready to jump in? All right, here we go. Luke 12, 13 through 21. At this point, Jesus has had so many followers. Many thousands upon thousands are following him. And one in the crowd said to him, verse 13, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Somebody say plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. I've made so much, it's plentiful. What what do I do with all these crops? In verse 18, he said, oh, I will do this. This is his eureka aha moment. This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build big, larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, chillax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The most important statement in this parable is that last verse, verse 21, and this is where we're gonna start. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Can I tell you right now that you all have many possessions. You all have stockpiles of things. You might think, no, I don't. Yes, you do. The fact that you're in this building, you get to experience warm shelter, air conditioning, heater if necessary, chairs to sit on, clothes on your back. You have so much. You're filled to the brim. And many of you have the debt to prove that you have as much as you do, right? And here's the thing. Many of us will be spending the rest of our lives paying off that debt, But here's the thing, nothing on this earth belongs to us. It's all from God. Every good and perfect gift is from God. All of the provision we have is from the Lord. So none of it is actually ours. So you do have something that you are stewarding. You are benefiting this moment from what God has blessed others with. Every single one of us have so much to be thankful. We are rich in him. We have much But this parable is so simple, and this verse is essentially saying this, and this is the main point. We need to understand kingdom. We have to understand our riches. And here is the point. The kingdom life is not having things. The kingdom life is knowing God. The kingdom life is knowing the one who has given all of this to us, even if so many of us are in debt. (laughs) The kingdom life is not having things. The kingdom life is knowing God. Let's get to verse 13 through 15 so that we can understand this text more and understand this idea 
of knowing God. At this point, there's tens of thousands of people around Jesus, and one random person says, teacher, tell me, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. In this story, we know that this man who comes up to Jesus and asks this question, we know that he's not a man of God. We understand that he is not concerned about knowing God, but rather he is interested in gaining something from God. How do we know this? First of all, he calls Jesus teacher. We see this um, repeatedly throughout the New Testament that the Pharisees and the religious leaders will call Jesus teacher because they want his teachings, but they don't want him. They want his messages, but they don't want him as the messenger to their hearts. And so we understand that religious leaders here, they don't call him Lord, they don't call him Savior, they don't call him Messiah, they call him teacher. Because teachers give us knowledge and knowledge puffs up. And these religious people were puffed up. And then not only does he call him just teacher, but he doesn't ask a question of Jesus. That makes you think, okay, I'm gonna make you feel like I wanna know something from you by calling you teacher, but I'm not even gonna ask you a question. I am gonna command something of you. Do you, do you see the entitlement? Do you see how he is commanding the savior of the world to divide, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. He's telling Jesus what to do. Ooh, how many times do we come into our prayer closet and we ask Jesus, would you just give me what I want, arrange everything so I can have things the way I want it. And we're more interested not in knowing God, but knowing what he, we know what he can give us. Now you have to understand that Jesus's response further indicates that this man is far from him. We know this because he addresses him as man. Man, do you know that in the kingdom of God, he addresses us, this kingdom, every single person in this room who has given their life to Jesus and said, I wanna come to the saving knowledge of him. I'm gonna give my life to him. He's the Lord of my life, the savior of my soul. If that's you in this place, he sees you as son and daughter and you're a part of the kingdom. But we see that this man is far from him because Jesus calls him man. Oh, woe to us who would see Jesus when he returns and he calls us man or woman. Anybody else want him to call us daughter and son? We know that he has no faith because in Matthew 9, 2, he addresses the paralytic as son. He's lying in bed and he sees his faith and Jesus says, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Luke 8, 43, 44 and verse 48, it's the woman with the issue of blood. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, your faith. If you don't have faith in Jesus, if you don't trust him in this life, then he may see you as man, woman, not son or daughter. What is he addressing you today? What is he addressing you as today? We know that this man who is challenging Jesus, he's a religious person of this day. He is a Pharisee. He is a teacher. It's, a, it's something that a lot of the students of the law will ask the rabbis, teacher. They call him teacher. So he's a religious person. He knows the 
the, the day and age. And here's the thing that we also know about this man is that an inheritance was something that you read about in Deuteronomy. By this day, the um, principles of having the oldest brother get the inheritance first and all the laws and the litigation that is wrapped around that particular um, issue of inheritance was not something that they were concerned about in this day. So this religious person is taking a law that is not even being used in this day anymore so that he can be appearing as more virtuous. I know we talked about the religious spirit last year, last week, but the religious people will take laws of old and use it to make them look better and use it to incriminate others that they want to put down and seen as elevated from. Do you hear me? I think we have to continue to break up with the spirit of religiosity as a church. There is a danger every week, week after week, the longer we know the Lord, to start becoming more reliant on God's grace. Not, not on his grace, but what we have received. Do you hear me? Not, not, not laying our lives down because of the grace, but, oh, we have grace, so I'm religious. I'm more altruistic. I'm better. This is what the man is doing, and we know that the man with this religious spirit has no faith. Then Jesus, he leaves us the principle after the man is acting a fool. <laughs> and he says, take care and be on guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In other words, he's saying, beware to the crowd. You have to understand that Jesus has been speaking to the crowds week after week, day after day. And in verses one and two of this particular chapter, he's talking about people and he's condemning those of the false religion. He's condemning people who are hypocrites. So essentially, if he's condemning and saying, beware of being hypocritical, beware of trying to appear one way when in your heart, you're not that way, actually. Beware of being that way. It is as bad as this man who is more interested in what God can do for him than God himself. Beware. Be on guard against every form of greed. Be on guard against every form of greed. This actual word, greed, means the inordinate desire of riches, the grasping, the extorting, the scheming, the scheming. This is more damning as false religion because this actual word about greed and the scheming and, and trying to grasp for more is translated as thirsty, not thirst trap like we talk about today. I just had to throw that anywhere because I've been really serious this whole time. So here we go. We're going to keep going. You're with me, right? This word greed is, is all about you being thirsty, thirsty for more. And what this word translates as is it's like drinking salt water. The more you drink, the thirstier you get. Ecclesiastes 5.10 talks about this. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. People who worship money and who love money and who love abundance and who love possessions, they will never be satisfied. The lusts for the things of this earth are going to leave you dissatisfied, but only God will satisfy you. 
the riches of who he is and what he brings to your life as joy, love, peace, hope is more satisfying than things of this world. And what this is warning us of when he's talking about people who are thirsty for more and more, they're thirsty for excess, is that there is a danger in having plenty. This is why Jesus commands us or he, he instructs his disciples that when you pray, pray, give us our day, our daily bread. He just wants us to have enough for each day. He doesn't say, give us our bread, an abundance of bread that is overflowing in Jesus' name. And I have storehouses full of grain and bread and everything I could ever possibly need and more. No, it says, give us this day, our daily bread, because he understands that there is a danger in plenty. There's a danger in plenty. And the danger is that your daily reliance is on yourself. The danger is that you are self-sufficient and you no longer depend on him and him alone. This is the danger of plenty. This is the danger of excess. And verse 15, he says, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. You will not have an abundant life just because of your possessions. Not even when you have abundance. Abundance means more than enough, more than sufficient. It could be excess. It could be surplus. We all want excess. We all want surplus, right? But I want to encourage you today that sometimes God withholds some blessing to you, the excess, the surplus, because he's protecting your heart. Jesus cares about your heart. He cares about your heart. And he's withholding because he wants to bless you. Bless you with what is truly going to satisfy you. You know, I was thinking the other day, I had a lot of people over on Tuesday. We had um, soup and candy, lots of things happening. Tons of people. And it was like, man, babe, if our house was just a little bigger, we could have fit more people. If we just had like a little bit more space, it would have been more comfortable. Just kind of seemed like a lot of people, right? <laughs> and then the Lord just convicted me. And he's just like, excuse me. I may withhold a little longer, Chrissy. Because here's the thing. I honestly, if I wasn't convicted first, I would have been on realtor.com. I would have called up my boy, Jordan, and Josue. And I would have said, guys, find me a place or at least show me some places that I know I can't afford, please. We just run into those, those traps. That, that's the real thirst trap, right, y'all? I, I, I knew it would come back around. <laughs> but the Lord said, I need to replace, you need to replace your desire for excess, your desire for more with gratitude, because thank God you had a house with some heat in it. Thank God you had a stove so that you can burn some soups on there so people could be fed. Thank God that you have friends. Thank God that you have a little concrete place. It's very small. There's no green. There's no grass. It's just a little small concrete area. Thank God you have that little area so you could put your solo stove on and people could roast marshmallows on it. Thank God, Chrissy. But so many of us are praying for God to give us more and some more and some surplus and some excess. Maybe God loves us so much that he's withholding from us. Thank you, Jesus. So how does this rich fool teach us about the kingdom? 
because we're about kingdom business this morning. We know that this man is acting a fool, and so what Jesus does is he attaches a parable alongside this man's inter interaction with him. The word parable, the second part of that word is bole, which, is mean, which means to place or para alongside, to place alongside, so that this parable is showing that this man cares about excess, this man cares about more, this man cares about getting more of the inheritance, right? And he's demanding it of God. So what Jesus is doing is he's gonna accompany a, another principle in a parable, in a story, to match this principle that we're learning from this guy. And he shares a parable about a rich fool. And it teaches us a lot about the kingdom. It should teach us how we should act as Christians today, okay? For as, as people who are kingdom dwellers, the ones who are the sons and daughters of the most high God of the kingdom. Number one, it's a surprising kingdom. What is surprising about Jesus' response? You'll see that every parable has an element of surprise in it. And there's actually two surprises, but the first surprise that I wanna draw your attention to is that Jesus doesn't answer the man and his question or his concern. The parable itself doesn't answer his question because all this man cares about is he wants to know when, he wants to know how much, he wants him, he's demanding that God does this a certain way, he's wanting an outcome, he's wanting God to tell him the strategy and make the logistics right, but can I tell you this morning that Jesus responds for the goal of connection, not logistics or earthly wisdom. Today, this morning, some of you are asking God for him to put together logistics and make things work out for my benefit and for my outcome. And Jesus is saying, but I want to connect with you. The savior of the world who loves you, who's blessing you, who's withholding from you so that you would be blessed. The one who is giving you much, the one who is giving you the pleasure of being here today, who has given you breath in your lungs. He today cares more about connecting with you than your comfort then your earthly comfort. Some of us are spending way too much time asking God how, 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 and he's saying, me, 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 come to me, come to me. I wanna connect with you. You know, it makes me think about how many times each Sunday the, the opportunity is presented, will you follow me? Will you give your life to me? And I think that some people in here are just so concerned about things like, well, well, tell me a little bit more about what's happening in Israel and Palestine. Maybe I'll... I'll figure, you know, talk to me about that. What's right or wrong there? Or, you know, no, no, actually, you know, the church, they stand for different things when it comes to the Roe v. Wade overturning. Uh, let's, let's assess how people are gonna act like that. You know, the church, how they're gonna act before I give my life to the Lord. Or some people are like, oh no, you know, let's talk about the contentious issues of women in ministry. Should they be preaching from the pulpit? Or, or, or maybe we should care about speaking in tongues. Let's talk about those logistics, Lord, before I fully, completely give my life to you. And we get so obsessed with the stances we have on the things of this world that will pass away. The non-essentials of the world of eternity, the non-essentials, than the essential of knowing him. We're so concerned about logistics and God is saying to you, I care more about connecting with you. And some of you have to take this into your relationships. Some of your marriages, some of your friendships, some of your relationships with your coworkers. All you care about is how that person is doing this when you want them to do it. You're caring about how they're acting a fool and how they're taking care of their schedule and how it's impacting you. And you don't care about understanding them or connecting with them first. 
Do you hear how it's so much more important to have connection than caring more about the logistics? Jesus does not answer the question. It's surprising, but it's not surprising when you know that his goal is to connect with you. Listen to me, God wants connection to us. Stop concerning yourself with the things of this world or it will delay your connection with him. Some of you are trying to figure out things theologically that will remain a mystery for the rest of your life and you won't know until you get to eternity. So get connected to the Lord who loves you, get to know his love, and then you can worry about those things. Seek after him and all these other things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. You know, God will always care more about the spiritual stuff. You know, I, I get people who I think would rather have me give them an answer or a strategy or a solution for their problem rather than prayer. They, they, they want a solution. I, no, I want it now. And I'm telling you, I need to connect with the Lord about that first. I don't, I'm not an expert for your life. I'm a pastor, I'm a human. I will tell you right now, who's gonna help? And it's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's always going to care about the spiritual. He's going to leave the legal, economic, civil, and social stuff of the world because those things will pass away. That's not his kingdom. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. It's a upside down kingdom, which leads me to number two, the kingdom values. The, the kingdom of God is based off of upside down values, not earthly values. And so the question has got to be asked, what is the value of money? Verse 16, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Somebody say plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. When you find yourself asking yourself questions, this is what this guy is doing. He's asking himself the question, okay, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. When you find yourself asking yourself questions, your answer, if you are courageous enough, will unveil your heart, if you are honest. The way you answer this question of what is the value of money will give an indication of your heart posture. Because it says in Luke 12, 34, where your heart is there, your heart will be also. Your heart, your heart, your heart. Somebody say your hearts. Simply put, if you value the things of this world more than God, your heart will find itself in a very harmful place. If you value God more than things, your heart will be in a helpful position. You can help the kingdom of God. You can build the kingdom of God. You have so much humility that you care about helping the kingdom. You don't have a haughty spirit that is just, just ingesting toxic, harmful, hazardous things. When I think about the idea of this, this things being harmful to my heart. I think about just material things. The things of this world will pass away. The plastic containers, all the things, it just turns into toxins here on this earth. And it's supposed to pass away because you can't take it with you to heaven. But yet we build our lives and we grow haughty in our spirits when we acquire more things. But it's only going to leave you in a harmful place and lure you away from the things of God. What you have in this life is only in this life. If it's material, it belongs to this life. If it's a material thing, if it's your car, if it's your clothes, if it's your, uh, your homes, it has no real value. Can I tell you that? I don't care what it says on realtor.com. I keep on talking about realtor.com. I don't care what it says on that or the MLA, MS, yeah, MLS. 
super into real estate. It has no enduring value. Your heart is deceived if you think the things of this world are going to be more helpful than harmful. Here's the thing. The inheritance that the man is asking for from his brother and the plentiful riches that this man in the parable has acquired, both men are being lied to by their possessions. Some of y'all's stuff are lying to you. Some of your, your toys, your trinkets, your clothes, the status you've obtained because of the house that you're in and the neighborhood that you're in and the car that you drive, they are all lying to you. This is what it says in Matthew 13, 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. That's Matthew 13, 22. I love this word plentiful. I had you say it a couple times because it's actually in the verb form of Greek. It means very productive. It's productive. And this verb is actually euphorio. And it means to yield a great crop. So the plentifulness is um, related to agriculture here and that it's yielding a great crop, euphorio. But the, we get an English word from euphorio and it's called euphoria. Now for us, euphoria has nothing to do with a crop, obviously, right? Euphoria is elation. We're elated. We're excited. We're filled with joy. We're, we're, real, we're filled with over-the-top satisfaction, fulfillment, feelings of happiness. Anybody else have had feelings of euphoria after you went shopping, after you clicked yes to my cart? Check out, right? When you click that in Amazon Prime, you get it in, at the, oh, when you buy something on Amazon and it says it's going to be there between 7 a.m. and 11 a.m., you're like, ooh, yes, euphoria, right? Just me? I mean, I think I get something from Amazon every day. Okay, here's the thing. Your things and your possessions are lying to you. You're experiencing euphoria. It's lying to you, though. First Timothy 6, 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So I'm going to ask the question again. What is the value of your money? The way you answer this question will give an indication of your heart posture, but it will also give you indication of your life's priority. Verses 18 and 19, if we read it again, Verses 18 and 19, it says, and he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Did you know that in these two verses, in just two verses, he says, I, 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 my, 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 my. I, 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 my, 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 my. Don't worry, anyone? Okay. <laughs> in two verses, he says, I, eight times. And in, in two verses, he says, my, four times. The man has prioritized himself. Again, if you answer this question, honestly, it reveals your priority. 
it reveals that he prioritized himself and there are three things that he has, he has forgotten. He's forgotten about his God who gave him the ability to yield plentifully. He has forgotten about others. He doesn't even care about what others get out of his plentifulness. And then he has forgotten his own mortality. I think some of us have forgotten our mortality. You know, some of us are building lives that we forgot that we could die tomorrow. Wow, Chrissy, you're being so serious. It is the truth. It's, it's a sad truth. It's a scary truth. But what are you building for? What is your life's priority? This man is saying, I have so much storage. Now I can be lazy. He just wanted to be lazy. He just wanted to chill. He just wanted to relax. He just wanted to have a great time. He just wanted to eat, drink, and be merry. Some of us are building lives so that we can have a great retirement. And there's some people in this place, I believe that many of you are retirees. I think that, as you can see, that our church used to be a bunch of singles now. It's a bunch of families. And now we're seeing people who are starting to retire or who have been retired or coming around. And I love that you're here because you know what I say about you? Those who are retired and those who have more time, those who have built up more money, you are gonna be probably more effective than you thought you have ever been in the kingdom. That's for you, mama. She's the one shouting me down because she's excited about the word because she knows that she understands that it is better to know Jesus than to care about the things of this world. Retirement could possibly be the most effective season of your life. Don't let your possessions lie to you. Don't let the world lie to you. I believe that your soul, you are gonna say to your soul different than what this man says to his soul. He says, soul, you have ample good laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. No, I say to you, relax, have fun, but also be effective for the kingdom of God. The way you answer this question is going to give you an indication of your heart posture. It's going to give you an indication of your life's priority. And it's going to give you an indication of how foolish you are or are not. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared. Whose will they be? Who are you building for if you won't be here tomorrow? This man, all he cared about was himself. All he cared about was his own life and he forgot about his morality. He didn't say, oh God, I love you so much that I'm gonna give it to your kingdom. He didn't say, oh, I love my family so much. This man was alone. Oh, how sad. This man was alone and he didn't even wanna, he didn't have anybody to give it to. He didn't have people around him to give it to. And he forgot about his morality. James 4, 13 through 14, it says this, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? What is your life even? <laughs> for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. I'm so serious. So here's, listen to me. Verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. This man was boasting. His sin was his arrogance. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, you know the right thing to do. We are being held accountable to Jesus's words right now to give to eternal things, to give your life to things that matter, that have kingdom impact, not just earthly impact. We know what to do, but whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. So here's my challenge today. Is your priority sowing or storing? Are you storing for a lush, cushy life? No. 
we're going to sow into the next generation. We're going to sow because we don't know what tomorrow holds. What's it going to be for you? If your heart's where your treasure is, you're going to be hopefully, hopefully pouring into the next generation, the kingdom of God. You're going to be pouring into not just Project Church, you're going to be pouring into Project Kids. You're going to be pouring into Glow, the, kid, the girls' conference. You're going to pour into the, the, the boys' conference. You're going, to, you're going to help for boys' night. You're going to volunteer, not just your money, but your time and your energy. And you're going to give your life to people who are coming after you. It is not too early. Some of you young people in this place, some of you young people, a 12-year-old in this place, you, Leah, you are an example to my daughter and she's only eight years old. But I see how she looks up to that 12 year old. You're never too young to think about the next generation. If you love God, then you care about the things. This row right here, you are young people who are leading younger people to the Lord and to kingdom things. It's, you're never too young to start thinking about the next generation. When we have some eternal thoughts, our lives change. When our heart is with our Father, then we care about what He cares for. We don't know what tomorrow holds for us. And here's the thing. If we continue to build just earthly things and only concern ourselves with earthly things, it's like we're worshiping the creatures and the creature, not the Creator. And Jesus is saying to us, I've come that you might have life, John 10, 10, the real life, and to have it more abundantly. He wants you to have a truly abundant life. So number three, what does this rich fool teach us about the kingdom? It's that we have to make a kingdom decision. Every single one of the parables cause us to choose every time we're in his presence, every time we open up the word, every time we hear from Jesus, every time we're two or three are gathered in his name and we're sensing his presence, every single time we have an opportunity to say yes or no to the things of Jesus. So by the way, the rich fool used his God-given riches. It was God-given because he was able to do something good and he was able to see something grow. It was a good thing. That was from God himself. The rich fool used his God-given riches, but he gave no indication of using those riches for anybody but himself. So my question for you today, what is true kingdom richness? When your heart moves towards God, you have true kingdom richness. Because again, this life is not about the things that we have. Kingdom life is about knowing God. Verse 21, I'll end here the way I started. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. We need to learn church, Project Church. We need to learn what it means to be rich toward Him. We need to be more concerned about being rich toward Him, not towards the things of this world and acquiring and obtaining and growing and hoarding. Being rich toward God is a synonym for laying up treasures in heaven. Being rich toward God means moving toward God as our riches. He is our greatest reward. He is the greatest richness. Rich towards God means counting God greater richness than anything on this earth. Richness, come on. 
Philippians 3.8, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered all things. I've lost, suffered the loss of all things and count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him and him alone. Being rich toward God means using our earthly riches to show God how much we value him. Are you using your riches to respond to what he's asking you to do so that you can say, I value you more than the ideas and the plans that I have for my own money? My own money, my own time, my own talent. Being rich toward God is being more concerned about sowing than storing. When I think about my life, I think about Cain and Kai and Charlie. Let's not get religious. We already cast that spirit out last week, right? I'm still gonna buy my boys Jordans. I'm still gonna buy them Air Force Ones. Charlie has some beautiful Edelman boots. They are so fly. I love them. I'm gonna buy her all the Zara clothes I could pay for. But I'll tell you this right now, they're gonna love Jesus more than they love their shoes. They're gonna know more about tithing than they're knowing about how these clothes were made and designing them. I want them to care more about the things of the Lord and I'm gonna care about them because when I leave this earth, what have I left them? What have I left them? I have left them more earthly riches. Hey, that's good. They already have a college fund. This is a great thing to do. This is wisdom. But also I want them to care about the thing that God, the God that I'm just stewarding their lives. I want them to care about building the kingdom of God for His name. Not the name of Cole, not the name of Project Church, but for the name of Jesus, because they are sons and daughters of the Most High God. That is their mission. That is our mission. Kingdom, sons and daughters, you have a mission. Don't be rich towards the things of this earth. Don't care about acquiring all those things. And can I tell you, Jesus never condemned the man for having much. Thank you, Jesus. I fully intend on being rich one day, but I will use it for the kingdom of God. Caleb and I always, we dream that we would be able to give 90% away and to live off of 10%. What a joy that would be. May it be so. May it be so for every single one of you. May we increase our tithe so we realize, oh, it's not just about the religious act of giving 10%, but God, may my tithe increase year after year because I care more about the things of this earth. No condemnation. Maybe some of you just need to start there, okay? Oh, but Lord, may my heart be rich towards you. Would you bow your heads in this place? I want to pray for you because some of you are listening to this message and perhaps God is showing you how he wants you to use what he has given you. I want to pray for you right now that you would steward it well. If that's you in this place and you feel like the Lord is showing you how to maybe pivot, maybe how to um, encourage you to be more faithful with your giving or to be more faithful with the things that he's entrusted with you with, if that's you in this place and you just need a touch from him as it relates to your finances or any resources that he's given you, I just want to pray over you. Would you raise your hand if you're in need of prayer after you're listening to this message? I see those hands, hands all over the room. God, I just thank you for each hand that is lifted and it's a step of faith to say, God, I need to make a decision, a kingdom decision for you. I have much, I have much, but God, may I use it for your kingdom and may it show my value towards you and knowing you first. 
So God, I pray that you would just give them heavenly strategy, heavenly wisdom and creative ways, God, that would sow into the kingdom so that many would come to know the name of Jesus. Also, if you're in this room and you wanna give your life holy and devoted to Him, you wanna say, I wanna be a part of that kingdom. I wanna live for something greater than myself. I wanna think about others. I wanna think about God. I am totally understanding of my mortality. If that's you in this place and you wanna give your life to the Lord, you wanna give Him fully devoted, you're saying, I want you not just to be the Savior of my soul, but I want you to be the Lord of my life. I wanna give it all back to you because you alone are my greatest reward. If that's you in this place and you're sensing the peace and the joy and the hope that comes from knowing Him, you wanna solidify it and make a decision for Him today so you can build the kingdom alongside other kingdom builders if that is you. Would you raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, I see hands all over the place. Hands, 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 hands. God wants to do something in every single one of you. This is a step towards the greatest season of your life, the most fulfilling, rewarding, abundant life. So everybody, would you pray, repeat after me with those who raise their hands, everybody in the room. Come on, let's help out those who raise their hand. Dear Jesus, thank you for bringing me here today. I accept you in my life. I love you so much. I need a savior. I need a Lord. I can't do it without you. I believe that I've died in my flesh, but you have helped me come alive in your resurrection power. Wash me clean, make me new and give me the strength to live for you for the rest of my life. I love you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a shout of praise in this place? Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.